Tree Talking Time is brought to you by Conkeys Outdoors. Get all your hound hunting needs at Conkeys.com. Welcome to Tree Talking Time, where we talk all things tree dogs. From the smallest fights to the largest hounds, drink squirrels to bears and everything in between. And from time to time, we might even run a little fast game. Right now, I've got uh, coon dogs, bear dogs, rabbit dogs, and then uh, I'm running bird dogs on deer. Okay. Yeah. I have actually a few of them are bird dogs walk across us mm-hmm. half and half, and then I have the three-quarter bird dog quarter walkers. I've I've heard good things about that kind of that style cross. Those sound bird yeah. dog crosses. It kind of happened at, at first as an accident. It was my, my coon dog kind of climbed <laughs> over in the pen with my bird dog. But anyway, it ended up being pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I went to record a podcast with the guy, and – he decided not to record one, which is a whole other story. But he was telling me that he had some uh, half short hair, half hound crosses that were just on Yeah, fire. but that's exactly what mine are, half, half German short hair. Yeah. And uh, he said they are, he goes, I should have done this a long time ago. He goes, these are the best deer dogs I've ever had. Absolutely. And they run everything out of a block, dude. They don't leave, it ain't just deer. They run rabbits, <laughs> squirrels. It ain't a mouse left in there if you give them time enough to hunt a good. Yeah. <laughs> But you got to walk with them. That's the only downside that a lot of people don't like. Yeah, I you know, I walk through the block with the dogs. Oh, okay. Yeah, which I enjoy that, and I kill a lot of deer like that. Oh, I'm sure. Well, you said, so that was an accidental cross. Yeah, it was an accident. He, uh, he kind of climbed in the pen. And mm-hmm. I ended up having to put electric wire around the top of my pen to keep him out. <laughs> oh, I've, I've had that happen a time or two. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, it happened. Pretty, pretty determined male dogs. So. Oh, yeah, you get a dog in heat. You have every dog in the neighborhood over there. Well, mine wasn't a climber, but he destroyed a pen. And then his son turned around and did the same exact thing. So needless to say, I'm not a big fan of chain link anymore after two male dogs have destroyed chain link fences to, to get through. Oh, yeah. It always <laughs> seems, like, with me anyways, that uh, those dogs that are hard to keep in, the climbers and mm-hmm. uh, ones that will get out all the time, they always seem to be the best dogs. I don't know why that is. I guess I think they're more intelligent, really, yeah. to figure out how to climb or get through the pens, you know. They're determined. Yeah. Hard to get, but they uh they make good dogs normally. That coon dog is that the dad to those uh, bird dog crosses is best best coon dog I've ever put a collar on. Okay, how's he bred? He's um he's a lone pine dog. Okay, he's also lone pine T Rex. Gotcha. Yeah, very nice dog. As far as pleasure hunting and everything, I've I've never really gotten into competition coon hunting a whole lot until I had him. But he was he did so well at a young age that I started getting into it some just because I felt like I was doing him a disservice by not competition hunting. Yeah, no, I understand. I started to get into it a little bit. That's awesome. What what all has he won? I I've only I've just started hunting him. I've taken him to three hunts and okay. um, he's won three cast, so that's good. There you go. Well, we hurry up and get yeah. and get uh, two more one before the end of the year. Get qualified for the TOC. Oh yeah, I get so tied up in deer hunting and bear hunting and everything <laughs> else. It's hard to hard to do that too. Yeah, chances of you making it to two more night hunts. In the next month, uh, probably not great. Yeah, it's hard to get up at uh, two hours before daylight and go bear hunting and then go night hunting that night. Yep. <laughs> Make for a long day. You can't do it day in and day out. I know that. Oh, I know. By the end of the season, I'm, I'm, more, I'm more ragged by the end. Oh, I'm sure. And I'm sure the next <laughs> month you will be running hard between bear hunting and deer hunting. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we'll usually bear hunt every morning. And um, I may sneak in a little deer hunting in the evening if okay. I have time. Yeah. We like to go. We can go kill a bear in the morning and uh, get done by lunchtime or something. That makes a good day. We'll stop there and just go on about a day. I'll get some deer hunting in after lunch. Yeah. 
So what's it like where you're at? I know you're in Virginia, but I don't really know exactly. Yeah, I'm in the, like Piedmont area. I'm about um, about an hour from Richmond and an hour from Lynchburg. Okay. Just about 15, 20 minutes of, from Farmville, if you know where that is. Yep. Yeah, right on 360 and 460. I hunted with your great uncle there in Farmville. Yeah, Wayne. Yep. Which ties back to, you know, for all the listeners, you're, well, we haven't even introduced you. So you're Andrew Ware. And uh, yep. your great uncle Wayne, he he talked about your your grandfather in the one of the podcasts I did with him, Pete. Yeah, Pete. That's right. So, and he spoke very highly of your grandfather. And actually, he after uh, you know, you reached out to me, he's like, "Oh yeah, he'd be a good one to have on your podcast." So, <laughs> it took me a little while, but here we are, we finally are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And both sides of my family are originally from Bedford County. Okay. Uh, my mom's side and my dad's side. So, mm-hmm. my dad's side, most of them still live there. Just my dad lives down here and not away where I'm at. Okay. But um, my mom's side, side of the family had a farm in Bedford, a dairy farm, and they sold it and moved down here, I believe, in 1976. Mm-hmm. And they bought this farm that we are, we're on now. And okay. as of today, my mom and dad and I run a farm, do uh, crop work. And we, we had a dairy up until 2019. We sold dairy cows. And um, now we just do row crops, beef cows, and uh, we have some chicken houses. Nice. We have some horses and stuff we pull with, but uh, mm-hmm. we got plenty to keep us busy. Oh, I'm sure. But having the farm, it makes for a lot of good hunting opportunities around. Yeah, that's awesome. I kind of have the best of both worlds because we try to manage deer and mostly still hunt all my farmland. And then I'm a member of some clubs and stuff around here local that I can go, you know, deer dog hunt on and, and do what I want to, shoot whatever I want to. There you go. And all that. So it's nice. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we kill, we kill some pretty nice deer. Yeah. It's kind of a. Uh, I think I heard you say where you're from. It's kind of rolling hills. Yeah. Yeah, it's about, that's pretty much what the land covers. Like, I can go north and hit mountains pretty fast and go south and be in the Tidewater region where it's flat. Yep. In the country. I'm kind of the same way. I mean, I'm right above the eastern shore of, like, the Delmarva Peninsula. And uh, that's all flat coastal ground. And then, like I said, if I go north, hour and a half, you know, we're, we're hitting the mountains. So. Right. Right. Kind of similar. What's interesting with me is uh, I didn't really come up in a, a deer dog hunting family because my family is all from Bedford where it's illegal to run deer dogs. Yeah. So um, I can't say that my dad really agrees with it, but he <laughs> tolerates it anyway. That's funny. <laughs> he, uh, he's, he's a big steel hunter, and he grew up, you know, bear hunting and coon hunting both, and I grew up coon hunting with him where gotcha. I got a love for that. Mm-hmm. And um, I killed my first bear when I was nine in uh, High County, North Carolina with them, with their dogs. Nice. So I've been bear hunting since I was a little kid and mm-hmm. coon hunting his bunk. As soon as I could walk he was taking my coon hunting and all. But um I got my first pack of deer dogs. I don't I don't think he was really thrilled about it, but <laughs> my uncle actually is the one that got me into that. Um he took me to hunting with a club right here next to the farm. Gotcha. And it, it it had me hooked. As a kid hunting hunting that way is just a lot more entertaining. It's not oh, yeah. near as much downtime, you know, you're not sitting in a tree stand for hours bored to death, freezing to death. Mm-hmm. And um the original club I started hunting with had a, a a guy that ran the club had a big pack of bird dogs and they were some of the best bird dogs this day I've ever hunted with and that's kind of what got me hooked on hunting with them. Okay, so you've never really run in deer hounds? Well, I did. My first when I first got dogs, I got a pack of beagles from a guy. He was getting out of it, and I bought his whole pack. Okay, and uh, that kind of over time, I ended up leaving that club that I hunted with as a child, and I started hunting with a bigger club uh, near this about ten fifteen minutes from home. And uh, they, they were more of a hound running club. And uh, then I got into field trial and beagles, which we were running on the outside in the VOBA. 
They're 18 inch height limit. Basically, what they're running is a, a 50-50 beagle walker cross. Gotcha. They come up with actually they started a new breed, and I think it was CKC, where you could you know they started a registration for American Fox Beagle, which is basically a 50-50 walker uh, beagle cross. Okay, so, didn't know that. A long legged beagle, yeah. mm-hmm. and that's what ran. And I had um I got into field trial, and then at one time I was feeding maybe 40 head of long legged beagle. Yeah. <laughs> so you were but you were into the hounds. Yeah, I got into it for for a while, and uh, I met a guy through through running dogs, and uh, he started running. They have a fox pen series as well that runs like a seventeen and three quarter, a seventeen and a quarter. I think is the height limit on that. But um, he started running. We kind of joined up, joined our kennels together, run under the same kennel name. He ran all the fox pen hunts, and I was going to run the, the outside hunt with the EOBA, and um, we did that for a while, and everything was going good. And then one night, he um, he and I were both supposed to be running that fox pen. I forgot about it, slipped my mind, and was working and couldn't make it. And uh, he went up there and turned loose on his own, and he wrecked on the way home and died. Oh, so that's awful. That took the wind out of my sails for field trialing, and I yeah. went ahead and ran the trials we had planned to hunt, you know, after that. And then once those were all over with, I kind of slowly got out of it myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, yeah, I, I got out of that and I went to uh, went to all bird dogs. I always had a few bird dogs I'd keep around the house. Mm-hmm. I had one as a house pet, and I'd hunt them you know, here and there around the farm and stuff, but uh, I went and kind of traded my fox beagles for bear dogs and got me a few more bird dogs to deer hunt, and that's where I'm at right now. Gotcha. Now, what do you run yeah. for, for your bear dogs? Um, <laughs> Growing up, my, my uncle and my dad and them were big tree and walker guys. That's all they'd want. But um, the guys I hunt with now are, are big plot guys, so okay. I kind of got a mix of them both. I still, have, I still love tree and walkers at heart. But I'm probably half and half. I've got, you know, half plots, half, half tree walkers, and some crosses in between. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm supposed to be getting a, um, a puppy from Wayne here in uh, the next couple weeks. I heard. Yeah. I've never owned a leopard. We're going to see. We'll try them out. I've never seen a good dog in a bad color. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. If it'll, I don't care if it's pink, purple, blue. If it'll put a bear up a tree and catch them on the ground, that's all me. Well. That puppy you're going to get, I don't know exactly which one, but I I know of, of which of the two, since there's only those two males, but uh, they're both good-looking puppies, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. I've got uh, I've got two little plot puppies that are about the same age that uh, I have okay. really high hopes for. Mm-hmm. Uh, the three of them will be broke together. It'll be good. That's awesome. Yeah, they're, uh, I am their grandmother, so their, their, mom, okay. their mom was born here at my house. I, okay. I took her down and... And that's kind of how me and Wayne really become friends. I, I took my female down and bred her to one of his males. So, I got you. And the mother of those pups is, was his stud fee pup. Okay. I have hunted with Wayne some, but not a tremendous amount. We're supposed to be getting together some more this season, hopefully, and do some hunting together. Good. He hunts but, down uh, your I'm way a good bit. Do what? I said he hunts down your way a good bit the last couple yeah, of years. Yeah, in Farmville. Yep. I'm not exactly sure where he hunts at Farmville, but uh, he, we're supposed to link up when he comes down this year. Good deal. Hope it works out. Yeah, it's just uh, we hunt mainly uh, my farmland, and uh, I got another good buddy that has a lot more land than I do that he farms. He's a big row crop farmer, and mm-hmm. between the two of us, we've got either permission to hunt and he and own and rent enough land that we we mainly hunt all that. Mm-hmm. A few clubs that get us to come out and uh, they hunt with us or whatever. I guess that is a lot of a lot of smaller blocks of land down here that. Yeah. Uh, it depends on where you're at, too. There's some big blocks of land as well, but mm-hmm. uh, it's a, a huge, you know, continuous thousand, two thousand acre block of land owned by the same person is is pretty rare. 
Oh yeah, that's Which getting more and more rare everywhere. Really rare everywhere around here on the East Coast, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, yeah. One good thing about this area that I've, I've noticed is bears are kind of a new thing around here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they weren't twenty years ago. There was no bear here at all. Zero. Yeah. So a lot of, I mean, deer hunting has roots grown deep around this area more so than bear bear hunting does. And um, a lot of people don't like the bears because they say when the bears come around, the deer leave and whatnot, or people are scared of them or whatever. So it seems like it's a lot, little easier to get permission or to go in and bear hunt a piece of property than it is to deer hunt for sure. Gotcha. Yeah. Most of the time, I'd say probably 75% of the time we have dogs get on a piece of property. If we get in touch with a landowner, they're fine with us either hunting it or, you know, doing what we have to do in there. Yeah. So that works out. That's good. I mean, heck, in in today's world, you hear the the opposite a lot. So that's awesome that, you you know, you're finding that it's pretty pretty easy to get permission it is it is which it also helps if you hear somebody from around this area that they know of and stuff yeah. as well. yep but um yeah we haven't had any problems really with landowners which is, is good i hope it continues that way yeah definitely that's another reason that i, that I like hunting the bird dogs on deer those is the fact they don't run as far you don't have near the conflict issues with other people mm-hmm. with their small pieces of land because land just continuously getting broken up and divided and whatnot blocks are getting smaller and smaller every year yep now i have a, a pretty loyal podcast listener and he's become a good friend over the last year and a half that uh he runs beagles he lives pretty close to you and that's kind of why he said he he likes beagles and, and actually has a couple mountain curves that he's running on deer and he said that's why he likes the, the beagles and the mountain curves he's like they don't hunt near as far as the big hounds and especially right. on the smaller blocks with the busier roads he's like i can hunt them in tighter spots and be successful and not get in too much trouble. Right, right. Try to reduce the hunter uh, conflicts as much as possible with the stuff going on. Yeah. Trying to outlaw the so less conflicts, better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Especially living, I live right on the side of 360 and 460 where the two highways come together. And uh, it's a lot of land you wouldn't really want to turn a, a track running dog loose on because you're going to end up in the road and getting hit. Mm-hmm. That I hunt with my bird dogs, I, I got them tone broke with the alpha. That if they're running, going right to the highway, I can cut them off of it. And nice. back to me. That's so awesome. I, I get permission to go hunt all over the place, different hunt clubs and stuff that have little blocks like that that they never turn a track running dog loose in because mm-hmm. you know they're scared of getting hit in the road. Yep. They'll get me to come up there and hunt those blocks, and uh, it usually usually yields some pretty nice deer. Yeah, <laughs> you find a lot of big bucks and stuff that sneak off to little corners like that that don't get. You know, don't get any pressure on them during the year. Well, they they figure it out. You know, they don't get big by being dumb, so they figure exactly. out where where they don't get pressured, and so that's where they go. It's it's amazing how small the buck can be, really. Mm-hmm. Blow your mind, and it it takes putting dogs on them to really see how small they can be. Yeah, I think I I jumped one one time in my hunt club with my with my beagles, and a guy shot at it right after they right after they jumped, and he'd hunted there twenty thirty years, so it was the biggest buck he'd ever seen. And that deer on the on the garments run a straight line almost five or six miles and jumped into a rabbit pen. And like when he got out of the bed, that's where he was going. Yeah. No doubt. He knew exactly. I couldn't get him in there. And I went and caught the dogs and that was it. He, he lived another day. Yep. That's crazy. But it's amazing. He knew in his mind it was a rabbit pen five miles from where the way the crow flies and he went straight to it. Mm-hmm. I had no idea he was there, but he did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The only time I've run uh, deer dogs, the one buck that jumped up, pretty close to where I was at. He, uh, he headed straight for water and then he swam like part of the they know how to, lake. They know the area they live in and they know how they can get away. Yep. 
I've seen a lot of times a buck will run into a, a block that has does laying in it, and they'll they'll run right up in the middle of those does and lay down. The dogs will come in there, the does will jump up and take the does on, and the buck will lay there and never move. Yeah. Well, this buck, he, he stayed tight until there was a dog on top of him. I had oh, yeah. dogs all around me, and all of a sudden, he just come up out of nowhere. I, I was surprised. It was the first time I'd ever run, I, you know, been around deer dogs, and I was really surprised. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it, it does something to you. I don't know. I can, I can shoot a little small rack buck in front of a pack of dogs and get twice the drilling rush that I'll get shooting a 20-inch wide buck still hunting. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. I'm not much of a still hunter, that's for sure. But uh, if we could run deer dogs, I'd probably, I would probably have some. I love, I love still hunting. Don't get me wrong. I, I bow hunt. I'm a huge bow hunter, and uh, I killed a nice deer with a muzzleloader this year. But um, it does, it's something different when a pack of dogs is on a deer or anything, really, for that matter. Mm-hmm. It's just a whole nother level. Definitely. A bear, I think, is the ultimate adrenaline rush. <laughs> Going uh, in on a bay like I, that. I agree, and I and I haven't bear hunted enough to ever go in on a bay up, so I don't want to, you know, say that I have. But just even walking one, in and seeing one in a tree. One thing about this area, I have never figured out exactly is our bear will very seldom will tree, hmm. and I don't know. I I think maybe it's because of the deer dogs, and that they're used to having deer dogs, you know, get on their trail and probably run up on them. And I think if they fight the deer dogs on the ground, they'll leave them alone most of the time. Yeah. And where they, you know, when they get an actual pack, pack of bear dogs on them, it's a different story. But mm-hmm. I think out of the last four years of hunting here in this area, we've treed maybe one or two bears during the season. That's oh, it. Wow. And we're killing, you know, anywhere from 15 to 20 a season up, up until now. So Jeez. I'll tell you the odds of it. Even small bears, you know, most of them, I understand it was a bigger bear, but mm-hmm. I've seen, you know, we've run 150 pound bears that won't go up a tree. That's odd. Yeah, I I, I have some at nighttime now, but not in the daytime. It's very seldom. That's yeah, true. I'm hoping we get a we we get a chase season around here a little longer in the in the future because right now it's it's tough. The only chase season they actually give us is right now, uh, okay. the two weeks leading up to the kill season. You guys don't get the summer months. No, not at all. We don't have a don't have a day of it. I didn't realize that. Yeah, that's, that's rough. It is rough. I have to I drive to Carolina usually and run my dogs all summer. So it makes for a long day when I get up at three o'clock in the morning to drive down there and turn loose the daylight. Yeah. You got to do what you got to do. So mm-hmm. I think that's another reason nobody in my area really has bear dogs. Most of the people that bear hunt this area come from, from other places. aren't. That makes sense. You know, if you can't, can't hunt them right there, you know, very much. So it's hard. It's hard to train them. And then if you don't know anybody that really has dogs or anything, it's really hard to get into it too. Yep. That was a struggle I had. I mean, I had a family that bear hunted, you know, forever, for generations, and I still had a struggle to develop my own pack of dogs and get a pack that was good enough to catch a bear on their own. Mm-hmm. It's taken me about, I'll say, a good three years, maybe a little longer than that, to get to where I'm confident I can catch a bear, you know, with just my dogs by themselves. Yeah. I've heard that from other people. You know, it takes yeah. a good couple seasons to really get your dogs t- dialed in by themselves. Yeah, I mean, you can't go out, even unless you have a tremendous amount of money and pay stupid money for a dog, you're mm-hmm. not going to go out and buy a pack of dogs that really are what I would call a quality dog, you know? Yeah. You got to raise dogs like that. The normal bear hunter is not going to sell his best dogs, <laughs> put it that way. Yeah, definitely not. So, me not having a tremendous amount of money to spend on them anyways, I'm starting from puppies and stuff, it's going to take a dog that's two and a half, three years old for you're really going to have a good dog anyway. Mm-hmm. But, um, 
I was lucky enough some friends helped me out here and there. I got some puppies and uh, I've got I'm catching bears by myself now. So that's awesome. Got but I, from fooling with rabbit dogs, deer dogs of all kinds, coon dogs, everything else, by far the hardest thing to do is get that pack of bear dogs right. Yeah. So how many dogs do you have total right now? Um, I'm feeding about I'd say forty five, fifty head probably. Ooh. All together. That's uh, I've got like eight rabbit beagles and I've got eight or ten bird dogs and then the rest are bear dogs and coon dogs. <laughs> Which I, I I coon hunt and bear hunt the same dogs mainly. Like my best coon dog is almost is my best bear dog as well. Okay. <laughs> With oddly enough, that usually doesn't happen. Usually your better coon dog isn't your best bear dog, but this yeah. dog is dog in particular can do it all things like That's awesome. And that's that Lone Pine Rocker? Yeah. Nice. Yep. Now, is that how a lot of your walkers are bred then? Yeah, his bloodline. I just raised a uh, registered litter off of him, actually, off of a gift I've got that is uh, bred pretty similarly. So I'm re- okay. Those puppies are months old now, so I'll be hunting them here coming up. Nice. How are your plots bred? Um, I'm not exactly sure where they all go back to. I, uh, I've i got them from a guy named Rusty Hancock lives down in Emporia. Okay. Is uh, he, I hunt with him a lot, and he's got some really, really good dogs, really good plots. Honestly, the the best plots I've ever hunted with, no doubt. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've gotten puppies from him over the years, and then I got a few from a, a friend of mine up in Madison County as well. But I'm not sure what their lineage is. I know he's had he's had that bloodline that he's running for. I don't know the last 20 years, probably. He's bred way back into it. He lion breeds a lot. Okay. He's got he's produced some really strong trail dogs. Mm-hmm. I know. Um, I think it was either last season or the season before. We went hunting one morning and we killed we killed a bear that was six thirteen, I think it was. Oof. Thirteen pounds. And then on the way back from killing that bear, we had a guy that had sh- shot a bear seal hunt in the morning or the evening before that. And it had sleeted a little bit, snowed and maybe a little bit of rain though. Mm-hmm. You know, during the night that night. He attracted and lost the blood or whatever. We went over there and put one of his trail dogs on that track. It was twenty three and a half hours after he had shot the bear and mm-hmm. she trailed it right up, found the bear. Nice. That was that impressed me. Definitely. I hope I can get something like that. It'd be nice to have a trail dog that that, that good. They're hard to come by. Yeah, they they definitely are. He always says a good bear dog doesn't die of old age. <laughs> so it's tough. Yeah, unfortunately, a lot of the good ones don't. We've been lucky. We we have a few bears. We've had you know some get hurt, but it's, we've been pretty lucky. We tried our best to keep them from getting hurt. Yeah. We've noticed that we don't put near as many dogs on a bear. Just a few handful of dogs that seems to help a lot. Mm-hmm. But, but with you know so many of them baying up on the ground, it's hard not to not oh, to have yeah. them get cut up there. Mm-hmm. They just get in each other's way. That's right. And nine times out of ten, around here, our general rule of thumb is you don't know where your bear is laying. You need to look in the thickest, nastiest possible spot you can find, and that's where he's at every time. Yeah. And usually that's where he's going to bay up at too. Most of the time, I I go into bay up, I'll be crawling through it on my belly. It'll be oh, so geez. thick. And you get in there. I mean, you have to get usually within ten feet, anyways, of of the bear before you ever see him. It's so thick in there. Dang him! So it can, it gets pretty exciting. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> sure. like now, a couple of years ago, I hunted up in uh, I went up to the, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and it was thick like that. I was probably mm-hmm. granted I was behind the guys I was hunting with, so I was like the third person back. They went up and they grabbed dogs that were right in this bear's face. I never saw the bear. That's how thick it was. I was maybe 15 feet from a bear, and I never knew it was there. Oh, oh yeah. 
just because like other than the fact that knowing that the dogs were there and you know obeyed but yeah that's right that's right oh it's it's a, it's a weird feeling when you get in there and you can see the dogs and you can see their heads you know they're looking at the bear but you can't see it yourself yeah you know you're 100 percent confident they're sitting there staring right at it you know feet from it but but you can't see it it's, it's a odd feeling mm-hmm. and get in there you can hear them hear them wolfing at the dogs and snapping their teeth and all it's uh it's wild Mm -hmm. i've taken a lot of people in from like i said you know never having bears around this area i've got piles of friends and people around that you know never killed a bear before so i've taken so many in to kill their first bear and uh you know most of them grown men go in there and and they'll follow me in until we get 10 15 yards (laughs) from the dogs and then i tell them you know you need to go in front so you can shoot you don't want to be shooting over top of my head and uh a grown man gets soft real quick when that situation comes up. Oh yeah, <laughs> I had to push them up in there. They don't want to go. Oh, I understand. It gets exciting for sure. Mm-hmm. If it you had to, pretty well though. If you had to pick one type of game to pursue, what would you pick? You had to give it all, yeah. give everything else up, you know, but you could keep one. Ah, uh, that's a hard, <laughs> hard thing to pick. It definitely deer or bear, but uh, I don't know. I'd probably, I'd probably go with. With it will probably if it, if the laws the seasons were the same and everything I'd probably stick with deer because okay. we have a longer season and I don't think if I if I bear hunted as much as I deer hunt I wouldn't have any dogs left <laughs> but um but I love both of them the same I can tell you this when when bear season comes in I I put bear hunting over deer hunting all day long okay so tomorrow's like you know most exciting day of the year for me mm-hmm. so I'm ready to go it's been yep. a long year waiting for it to come oh I bet which for listeners. Tomorrow's opening day of bear season in Virginia. <laughs> yeah, and this year for the first time we have five weeks of season, which is a change from three weeks that we've had previously. So that's awesome. Hopefully, I won't have to. I won't hunt quite as hard as we did before. With the three weeks of season, I hunted every day unless it was well, even in some god awful weather conditions. I still hunted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, when, when you only had that much season, yeah, I can understand. Yeah, you feeding dogs, you know, all year long, and condition on traveling so so many miles and so much time wasted. You know, you, for three weeks of hunting, I'm, I'm going to hunt every day I can. Yep. But hopefully with the five weeks, maybe we can slack off a little bit and not hunt quite as hard. Mm-hmm. The dogs are wore down by the end of those three weeks, and I was wore down too. Oh, I'd, I'd imagine so. <laughs> yep. Yeah. The, the work really starts, and the fun's over when the gun goes off, usually. Mm-hmm. If it's not near a road, that can make a job getting a bear out the woods. Yep. Especially when it's real thick like that. Definitely. But, we we have we have a thing we call it a tugger. I'm not sure what the technical name is for it, but it's like a little motor. Um, I think it's a Honda engine. It's got a smooth pulley on the side, and then you can put a strap around a rope around it. It's like a 200 foot long cord. Yeah, and it'll pull anything you hook to it. We'll hook it to the bear, and it'll pull it 200 foot at a time like that. If it wasn't for that thing, I don't know what we'd do. Sometimes I've seen them before. Yeah, they seem real nice. Two 600 plus pound bears, and I mean, it don't matter. You can't put enough people around a 600 pound bear to drag him far. Yeah, I've I've never seen a big a bear that big, so I can't imagine. Never had any experience having ha- dragged something that big out. So it's dead weight, no doubt. No, mm-hmm. I mean it's hard hard to move it for sure. And those thick pine thickets, a lot of cutovers around here, and of course they cut hardwoods and plant back pine. So a patch of hardwoods is really hard to come by now, other than your, your creek bottoms and stuff. Yeah, those those pine thickets between the logs and stuff that are left over from logging, and then the pine trees going up through it, it gets thick in there. It ain't. It's not an easy place to get there for sure. No, and you have a lot of a lot of pines down there. Oh yeah, yep. And the bears and they'll get make tunnels in it. I don't know how they get through it like they do, but I've been in there uh, on one of my farms last year. The dogs were in there circling a bear, and 
it come by me probably eight or ten feet from me, and I've never seen it. I heard it come through there, but I couldn't <laughs> see it. Was, yeah. I ended up killing the bear finally when it come out to the edge and uh, stopped. But, yeah, it's like they make fun getting them out of the woods sometimes. Oh, I can imagine. Conkeys Outdoors is proud to be a sponsor of Tree Talking Time. Family, hunting, tradition is the Conkeys motto. They understand the importance of passing down the tradition of hound hunting. They are a family-owned business that treats you like family. They also understand the importance of having the gear you need when you need it. Conkeys carries everything for your next hunt, and it ships to your door quick. They also offer great warranties on all tracking systems and financing options. Check them out at conkeys.com. You can also use the code TREETALKINTIME5 in all caps to save as well. Well, got any good stories for us? I think about deer hunting stories. I'll tell you one thing I did when I had my beagles one time, um, I had a buddy call me, and he was a big steel hunter. Didn't hunt with dogs or anything, and he had shot a, a real nice buck that morning. It was the first morning of our, our dog season. And uh, he hit the deer, and then he went to blood trailing it later and had jumped it up, and it took off, you know, down through the bushes or whatever. He wasn't sure on his hit, but he knew it was wounded. And he wanted me to come over there and see if I could put my dogs on it so it didn't sit out there and suffer and die, you know. Yeah. Well, I went over there to help him. And uh, imagine if, uh, we're on top of one knoll, and then it's kind of rolling rolling hills all around as far as you can see there's one old barn to our right on the next hill and uh kind of down in the bottom it's a swamp well i turned my dogs loose down in there where they said the deer went and they went in there and they got to barking a few times and we looked and here come the deer it we're on one hill he's running across the bottom up the next hill jumps the fence dogs are maybe 20 yards behind him he had i mean it's thousands of acres as far as you can see wide open any direction the deer ran straight up the hill and ran right in the barn that was the craziest thing I've ever seen. It was no back door on the barn, so he was stuck once he went in there. Oh, jeez. I don't know what he was thinking. What in his mind said that was a good idea just to run right on up in the barn? <laughs> we were sitting on one hill watching run right up in there. That was pretty crazy. We got got to finish the ball up in there, and uh, he was he actually heard one of my dogs with his horns. He was pushing him up against a round bale with his horns. Oh, jeez. Yeah, they can tear a dog up so they get a hold of them. Oh, I'm sure. I've had a few have to go get stitches and stuff sewed up on them from horns. Mm-hmm. They'll hurt you too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not careful. Oh, yeah. That was one of the craziest things I've seen deer hunting. Yeah, I've never heard of heard of a deer running into a barn. Yeah, that was pretty wild. I mean, a thousand different directions you could have went. He went in that barn. Yep. That and that rabbit pen story when the when uh the deer run up in that rabbit pen. That was yeah. That was pretty wild. Show you how smart they are, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I was, I was walking my bird dogs one day, and it's weird. I've never really figured it out exactly why, but sometimes some deer will lay extremely tight, like you have to step on them to get them up out of their bed. Yep. But then other deer will get up so fast, it's amazing that they even knew that there was a reason to get up and run. Mm-hmm. And um, I've never really figured out why that is. I, I thought it always that it was because, you know, some deer are pressured more than others, and maybe that had something to do with the hunting pressure, you know. But I've, I've paid more attention to it here lately, and, I don't really see that. I mean, on the same drive, I'll see deer that lay real tight and some that don't, you know, yep. within a couple hundred yards of each other. So, those deer on pressure any differently. But, um, I was walking bird dogs several different times. I've been walking them and a deer get nervous or something and I, I see him turn his head and he's in the bed. He'll be 10 feet from you. You'd be standing there for 10 minutes and never know the deer was there. Mm-hmm. So, he turns his head a little bit and you catch that movement. That's but, crazy. Uh, it's wild. Some of them will let you get right on top of them like that. Mm-hmm. But the biggest buck I've ever killed in my life I uh I seen him at one evening after dark. He was chasing a doe, and he he laid down in a strip of stuff that's surrounded by a field. It's just a creek bottom that we fenced out. 
I grew up in Briar. And uh, so a real long strip. So I knew he was, he was laying there, and I figured he'd be there in the morning. So me and a friend went over there the next morning, and I snuck around below him, and he was going to walk through that strip from the upper side. He was probably 600 yards from where the deer laid down at. He didn't walk 40 yards from his truck, and a deer knew he was there, got up, and started running through the strip, getting away from him, and come by me. Jeez. He was a good 500, 550 yards from the deer, probably. Mm-hmm. And he got up and was running away from him. He didn't ever knew. He'd have never seen the deer, heard deer, or anything. Just assumed he wasn't there when he come back to the other side. If I wouldn't have been there to see it, yeah, it's amazing to me that they would. I don't know if he smelt him or heard something or what, but he knew something wasn't right was coming out of there. That is crazy. It's wild. It amazes me. They say bears have a lot better nose than a deer, mm-hmm. and I mean, I, I know how good a deer's nose is. That's insane. Yep. Yep. Pretty much. Anything around here, if you can hunt it with a dog, I like having a dog to hunt it with. Well, you're lucky in Virginia. You guys can run almost everything with a dog. That's right. That's right. Those bird dogs, I, I love them. I'm hooked on them now for deer anyways. Mm-hmm. They, uh, I bet it took me a while to get a pack that really gave a lot of mouth when they run. That's a problem that a lot of people have with them. You yeah. can take about any bird dog at a young age and break it to run a deer. Mm-hmm. And uh, Which, I mean, the bird hunters that are actually bird hunting their dogs would consider that trash, but um, I've gotten a few really good dogs like that, actually. People that actually bird hunt them have, have a dog they can't break off deer and they'll give them to you. Yeah. And that'll be the best deer dog you ever had. <laughs> he's worth it. He's priceless to me, but to them, they're, you know, that's a trashy dog. Yep. Exactly. So, it was nice when I, when I had my deer beagles, that would work out good as well. If I had a rabbit beagle that wanted to run deer real bad, wouldn't mm-hmm. stop. I'd throw them in a the deer pack. Yep. <laughs> but I've, yeah, I've given a lot of dogs away, rabbit dogs to people. And, uh, that wouldn't stop running deer. I gave a few of my, my bear dogs away that were like that. They love running a deer, and I tried to break them off of them, and they don't want to break I just give them somebody else and let them do what they love with them. Yeah, that's convenient. <laughs> and most of the time, I mean, those guys I hear back from, they, they love those dogs. So it's usually pretty easy to get rid of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. I've uh, given a few pots away that uh, the guys around here are loving those deer dogs. That's funny. N- not your typical deer dog, but it nah, works. No, not what you normally see. I've got a real nice little buckskin pot Jip, I got from Rusty uh, here now that's really turning on doing well. She got hurt back uh, about a month and a half ago, but she should be ready to go by tomorrow. Nice. I like buckskins. She's a beautiful dog. She's the lightest buckskin I've ever seen. She's almost white. Hmm. Yeah. She looks like a yellow lab, but anybody sees her thinks she's a lab at first. I, I was at Autumn Oaks, and I saw a dog that was really light like that. That I, you know, if it wouldn't have been at Autumn Oaks at a hound show, I'd have been like, you know, it kind of had some houndy features, but, but coloration wise, it was definitely very much more lab looking than hound looking. Right. Oh yeah. This dog is definitely a hundred percent colored like a lab, no doubt. Mm-hmm. She looks like a hound body build, but yeah, uh, but her color says lab all the way. That's, <laughs> that's this plot that I saw at Autumn Oaks and I was like. Anybody that sees her that doesn't know, you know, about plots and buckskins, they automatically assume it's a lab. Mm-hmm. Well, I can believe it. But she's uh she turned it on. I think she's about she's going on two years old now. She's just really getting to be a nice dog. Nice. So she come from uh she come off a dog that my buddy Rusty had, one of the best trail dogs I believe he's ever owned. And uh that dog, I believe that dog's sire was a buckskin, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe his grandsire or something like that. Gotcha. But he was a real dark colored plot. Every litter he had off of him, 
he would throw some buckskin every single litter. But he mm-hmm. told me uh, that a friend of his had the litter mate to that male who was a buckskin himself, and it bred him several times and never gotten a buckskin puppy. <laughs> Isn't that funny, funny how it <laughs> Yep. And he was breeding two, you know, dark-colored plots together, brindle mm-hmm. plots, and up with half a litter of buckskin every time. My one dog, he's a, he's a plot. And bred to a, a leopard and bred to a, a blue tick, and we had buckskin puppies. <laughs> yeah. Some of those, sometimes those crossbreeds will really start some nice dogs. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, the litter that I had, the ones that were hunted have turned out really well. I've learned, well, I've always, I've learned kind of over time, though, the, the worst thing you can do for a dog, I don't care what, is, what it's off of, what the bloodline is, or how much potential it has, a dog is never going to be anything if it stays in the pen for a while. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to put your time in. You got to, you got to have your dogs on the ground as much as possible. Mm-hmm. I've been, I'm lucky enough. I bought a house that connects to my farm, but it's on the backside away from 360. I'm at the end of a dead end road. Nice. Probably miles from the highway. There's no traffic and there's nothing but just wide open country around me. So, like, my, my bird dogs, a lot of times when I have puppies, I'll just leave them loose around the house and they'll be breaking themselves at six months old. They'll be out there running on there. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So, just, I think it makes the dogs more intelligent when they when they get to run loose like that, and yeah, instead of sitting in a kennel their whole you know barking all the time, they get a lot of exposure to stuff like just you know creek crossings and the smells and the sights of the woods and the fields and you know what's out there and where. that's right. And when you do take them out to actually hunt them, they're not freaking out because they're not in the pen anymore. <laughs> yeah, they're they can actually learn something. Yep, exactly. So, I think that helps a lot. Definitely does. So I had uh. It, it helped with my rabbit beagles too. I was really nervous when I moved there because I had a real nice pack of rabbit dogs at the time, and uh, the deer were ungodly around my house. They were, you know, they come <laughs> up and lick inside the house and stuff. It was deer in the yard every night. Yeah, I was just nice. Every rabbit beagle I got is gonna be running deer for so with. But honestly, I think living there with around all, all those deer made my dogs even more deer broke than they were already because they were just used to it. Yeah, I mean, I was. <laughs> I looked out of my window one morning. I was getting ready to go to work, and it was right after daylight. I looked and three does walked out in the front yard and my red, one of the red beagles I had loose was laying under my truck sleeping. <laughs> I just kind of was watching, like, I wonder what's going to happen. Yeah. And they're walking towards him, you know, grazing in the yard. And I see him wake up and he, he picked his head up and kind of sat up and looked at the, at the deer for a second. And then he laid his head right back down and went right back to sleep. <laughs> I said, that's, that's a broke dog right there. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> it doesn't get much more broke than that. Definitely. Which now, since uh, I live there now, it, it was, it was um, a full closure when I bought it. So it had been empty for a while. Now that I've, I've been living there a while, the deer have kind of thinned out in the area. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they kind of need to thin out some. There's too many of them. That's the same thing up here. Yeah. We have a whole bunch of them. Oh, yeah. Bedford is to eat up with deer. Golly. I ain't never seen a deer in my life as it is around that area. Mm-hmm. Which that's, I think that's the highest kill in the state usually every year. Oh, wow. By county. Yeah. That's why they have our buck program and all that stuff up there, trying to get them to reduce the doe population. Gotcha. Yeah. Down here, we just, we have doe days, actually. You can't, like right now, um, you can only, it's bucks only, and unless it's a specific doe day, which is usually the second Saturday and third Saturday of our general firearm season. Mm-hmm. And then we get the last week of the season to um, shoot does. The other night, it's bucks only. Oh, okay. Which, um, Having the farm and everything gives me a unique opportunity. We get in the summertime, late summer, we get damage permit for our uh, soybean damage yeah. from the deer. And then because of getting that, we get decap tags to use that are antlerless only during mm-hmm. the season. 
I usually okay. get about 25 or 30 of those tags to use between me and my dad. We use them. Mm-hmm. And you can kill them anytime. It doesn't have to be a doe day or whatever. Nice. It has to be during you know, daylight and everything, but you can yeah. kill them. It, it doesn't have to be a specific doe day to shoot them. Gotcha. Nice. So that's nice. But a year like this, a year like this year, I don't know about your area, but we have no acorns in the woods at all. We don't and have I, a lot of big hardwoods. Even like, even what little woods we do have, you might have some, but deer right. mostly live on corn around here. By now, this time of year around here, there's no corn, really no corn left in the woods unless somebody's just feeding them, you know, mm-hmm. can't bait, really. And um, usually, the, you know, acorns is a big part of the diet, but this year they're zero anywhere. Yeah. So I think that made the deer be a lot harder on the crops this year. I had a pile of crop damage. I have a 30-acre bean field that's up the side of Cutover that's fairly thick and holds a lot of deer. And I'd say the deer ate a good 10 acres of it to the point where I didn't even drive a combine over it. Jeez. I just cut across the field because there was nothing there worth driving over. I know they put a little dent. There's a, a small field right here, kind of behind, catty corner behind my house, and uh, they they hit that field pretty hard. But the owner, they don't want hunting. They won't let anybody hunt it because I've asked. And, I mean, huh. it's kind of close to my house, so they if somebody were to hunt it. Does the owner farm it himself or no. somebody else? No, they rent the ground out to be farmed. That's why. If, if he was paying for the crops that were in there, he'd be wanting somebody to hunt Oh, it. yeah. Oh, I know. But I asked the owner, I said, hey, you know, really nobody else could hunt it because it's so close to my house without permission from me. Right. But I was like, you know, could I hunt that corner? And they're like, nope. So last night yeah. or two nights ago, I was out there. That, you know, they they took the soybeans off and they planted winter wheat out there. There's nine doe out there eating, winter, eating you know, what little bit of winter wheat's sprouting up. Yep. That field I was talking about, I, I sat and watched it one evening uh, last week, and over 30 deer were out in the field before it got dark at evening. Mm-hmm. So, and back during the summertime, I, I just rode by that field and uh, had my, I've got a thermal scope for coyote hunting. Yeah. And I looking across there with the thermal as I drove by, I just had to a truck window, and I counted, I think it was almost, it was 50 some Holy in that smokes. field one time. And then I went to another field back there and seen almost 60 in it. It was it added up to right at a hundred deer in two different fields right there. You can you can see one field from the other. Jeez, you are eat up with deer. <laughs> but I think with no acres in the woods, I think the deer from all around. It's not a huge amount of cropland in my area. Mainly, like my cropland is the majority of it right here close by. You know, it's a lot of beef cow pasture and stuff like that. So I think yeah. a lot of the deer, you know, in the surrounding areas have kind of moved in to eat here where we've had some. We have oats and wheat and stuff like that, small grain planted, and, and then yeah. some soybeans up there picking. But I think that's why. Crazy. But 100 deer, and 100 deer in one little area like that could do some serious damage. No kidding. I mean, you're at Lord. But we've got, uh, I've got some properties that we rent the farm as well that are similar to what you're talking about. The landowner themselves won't let you hunt, and they, the animals are doing a pile of damage. Yeah. It's not a good situation, really. Yeah. It's One farm I have, uh, it's that way with bear, and the bear tear my corn all to pieces. But the guys that hunt it, which are some family members of the owner, the owner doesn't care. He's nice he can be. But the people that actually hunt it themselves are dead just against dog hunting in general, and they will not let any bear dogs over there, even though they've got tons of land around it that they own. I mean, it's a perfect place to hunt. Mm-hmm. Like a 1,000 acres of timber land, and then like 150, 200 acres, something like that, of crop land. So, I mean, it's ideal. Yeah, and, no uh, kidding. And I've got permission to hunt the hunt club that borders it all the way around. So, I mean, it would be perfect, but they won't, they won't let me go over there. 
They, but yet they complain about the bears because they they want to deer hunt. They don't even like bears. Well, why wouldn't they let you in there for bear season then? <laughs> what I said, I said, well, you must not hate the bears bad enough. <laughs> but yeah, they complain about being too many bears, but won't let you come over there and hunt them. That's I mean, crazy. I was going to go let them kill them, or if they wanted to. I didn't want to shoot yeah. a bear. I just wanted to kill my dog. Yeah, I wasn't concerned about actually taking a bear myself. But they they said no dogs over there. They hate dogs that bad. So. Crazy. I don't know. And the man owned a dog. He had a lab run around when he told me that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it all goes back to maybe 20 years ago, probably, when there was somebody in that area that was had deer dogs that shouldn't have that, you know, probably ran around there and maybe ran dogs on their land or something and put a bad yep. taste in their mouth from it. Exactly. And well, that's all it takes is somebody putting a bad taste in someone's mouth. One and... person. One person can ruin everything like that. Yep. And, uh, now they're just so set in stone in their ways that they're just dead set against it. So. That's shame. And if they gave us the opportunity to come over there and hunt with them a day, I think it would change everything. Probably. I mean, me and the guys I hunt with, no, none of us care for actually taking a bear. We, we just want to run our dogs over there for the dogs, not, not to kill. Yeah. So anywhere we go, you know, we're looking for somebody that wants to, wants to take their first bear and wants to go hunt with us. Anybody with a tag, we only get one bear tag. So yeah. that's the last thing we do is have to use it, <laughs> not yeah. have a tag. Once you don't have a tag, you can't have a gun, and mm-hmm. I don't really care to go hunting without a gun. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> Just in case you need it. Yeah, so I try not to not to shoot one if I can help it. Yep. But every once in a while, you get in a situation where you kind of have to to keep a dog from getting hurt or something. But yep, no, I understand. Unless that situation arises, I try not to use mine. Well, I won't hold you up this afternoon. I know I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. I know you. Yeah, like I said, you're getting ready for tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I've got a whole lot going on today. I'm trying to get all my dogs ready and collars lined up, charged and all that stuff, my truck ready and all that. Well, but, I, I'd really do appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. I appreciate you having me. Um, I'd do it again sometime. Before I end this podcast, I just want to remind everybody to check out the sponsors. It is December. It's almost Christmas. If you're looking for any hound hunting-related gifts, products, Check out my sponsors, Conkeys W and Full Cry. So check them out. Also, treetalking.com has the new shirts. So check those out. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Tree Talking Media. And until next time, keep them talking in the timber.